can running a business from home be an opportunity to teach your children valuable life lessons? And can beautiful products offered in the marketplace be a means to evangelize? We're talking with a very popular Catholic speaker and best-selling author, Dr. Carrie Gress, about her family's homeschooling adventure. Stay tuned. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik. Uh, great to be with you today. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking with Dr. Carrie Gress, and I'm so happy to have her with, with us. Uh, I've interviewed Dr. Gress before, and she's just always just so present as a wife and a mom in our culture today and has so much insight. Just great to have you back, Carrie, uh, in a new venue. Thank you. Thank for you. Me. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Lisa. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, um, a lot of people probably wouldn't know because we know you from your books. In fact, I haven't even shared your bio, so I'm going to do that right now. This is really important to understand because Carrie's a wife and a mom and homeschooling, but she's also somebody who brings a lot of expertise to the table. She has a doctorate in philosophy from the Catholic University of America. She's the editor of the Catholic Women's Online Magazine, Theology of Home. I absolutely love this resource. You're going to love it too. She's the author of several books, including The Marian Option and The Anti-Mary Exposed. She is the co-author of a forthcoming book, Theology of Home. Carrie is a homeschooling mother of four and lives in Virginia with her family. And uh, just so great to have you. Yeah, tell us a little bit about sort of what set you up to bring an entrepreneurial venture into your home life. You're already writing and speaking and raising your children. So why entrepreneurism? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. I ask myself that probably every day. What the heck am I doing? But, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I wrote the book, The Marrying Option, um, three years ago now. I guess it was published in, yeah, it came out in 2017. Um, and when I, after I wrote that book, I, of course, just had Our Lady on my mind so, so much. And just how do we, you know, the fact is, wherever she, she is and devotion to her is, we see culture grow and expand. And I was just really, this idea just kind of resonated with me. And I was just thinking, how do we expand Our Lady into the culture? And I had just spent some time um, out in Oregon and um, my sister and her husband have a store out there and um, they have these gorgeous candles that they sell. Um, they get from different vendors and we all know these candles. They're, you know, just beautiful soy candles. They're packaged gorgeously. They smell amazing and they burn for like 40 hours. So they're just awesome to put in your kitchen, um, especially when you've been cooking and um, they just smell amazing. So I, it just struck me. Why can't you find any of these candles about Our Lady. Why, you know, I mean, look up with the, the wealth that the Catholic Church has in terms of scents and um, artwork. I mean, there's no greater patron in, in the history of the world than the Catholic Church. So we have all this amazing artwork, um, all these different concepts that could so easily go into a candle. And so the, the idea just jumped in my head, um, standing in my kitchen one afternoon. And I have to say, I am not crafty. I am someone who loves to delegate crafts. In fact, my I don't do any art at our home. Um, we have a dear friend that has art classes that my children have gone to for years. But um, that, So that's not my wheelhouse. So it wasn't like I was already making candles or somehow knew what was involved in it. I had no idea. 
Um, so I thought, oh, it'll be easy to find a vendor to make these for us and we'll just slap our own label and box and, you know, all of that. And of course, <laughs> um, we ran into two problems. First of all, um, it's a very liberal industry. So, you know, we would, I would approach people and then I would say, well, are cat candles? And, you know, I wouldn't get emails back after mm. um, that explanation. And then, um, you know, it was really interesting too, though, because I, I think, um, my husband is the, the research arm of the family, so to speak, and he's just started doing a ton of research into it. And it was just, I think it was important for us to learn how candles are made so that we could make them the way that we wanted them to be made. Because obviously there's so many different kinds of candles and there's so many different additives and things that are put into them so that they'll look more beautiful or they'll smell more beautiful. And um, we were really trying to be conscientious about that and not add things that we you know, would take away from the purity of the candles. So anyway, we, um, we ended up developing this, this line of candles and, um, but simultaneously I was also working on, I I first started this website called my favorite Catholic things. And, um, it was completely a whim. It was like, (laughs) I had the idea and, you know, before I, the next night I went to bed, I just pulled together this website and, um, you know, it just all came to me very, very quickly and they were just fun entries that I, things that I just loved in the church, whether it was a chapel I had seen on a trip or a jewelry maker that I particularly liked, or um, there's this wonderful store in, in Rome um, that dates back to the early Dominicans um, that I loved to feature, things like that. Um, so I'd, I wrote these short articles on these topics. And, you know, I've been writing articles for 10 or 10 years now, like at least, um, probably closer to 15 and I know how to like which aggregate sites to sort of point them to, but I didn't know where to go with these very feminine, very female types of articles that appeal to women. I just didn't know of an aggregate site for women's content. And so from there, it just kept, it kept bothering me that there wasn't something like this that could bring all of these ideas together. And um, so I thought, well, I'll just make one myself. And um, that's really where Theology of Home came from. But, you know, the Holy Spirit's amazing because, of course, I think I'm doing all these things independently of one another. And then, um, you know, the next thing, you know, I have this aggregate site. I have a, I have candles, which, um, you know, are, turned out to be amazing. And then um, I had this idea for the book called Theology of Home, um, and that's coming out in the fall. And so all of these pieces are just fitting together. But in the meantime, I'm paying very close attention to women and how is it that women absorb information? How is it that we share information? How is it that we talk to each other? Because um, of course I was researching the book and writing the book, The Anti-Mary Exposed, and I was seeing all these different ways in which this anti-Marian spirit has been able to grip us and hang on to us and influence us. And one way that I think we completely disregard, but that's so powerful, is magazines. Um, and, you know, I can say in those dark moments, when I had four very small children and, you know, I just needed a break. One of the things I would do was just, um, my mother-in-law would always send me a a subscription to Real Simple. It would just be like luxuriating to sit for 10 minutes in peace to just flip through that magazine. And I don't, I don't even know exactly what it is. I think it sort of pulls you out of your own life. It gives you new things to be creative and think about, but there's just something about magazines. And, but I've also noticed that we haven't done a good job um, as pro-lifers, as Catholics, of providing that kind of content on a regular basis to women very, very specifically. So we constantly are sort of draining our resources by allowing these 
very uh, pro-abortion magazines influence so many of us in so many Can I just ways. stop for a moment, Carrie, just to clarify, because I love what you've done with the, your website, Theology of Home. Just so that women understand what, what the pieces that are continually aggregated there. These are not Carrie generating lots of articles. She's drawing from a lot of different sources, and you've got everything from where to get beautiful high heels or jewelry, whatever it is, to bringing out, you know, fighting the culture wars and other kinds of topics for the whole Catholic woman. Right. This idea of luxuriating in a, in a magazine that's written by the pro-abortion side of our culture in order to delve into beauty, what's our alternative to that? Yeah, no, I think that that's, you, you raise a great point, and that, that's exactly it, is just focusing on, um, of course, our faith. We usually have about five articles related to the faith and helping us grow in our faith. And then there's about five more that are, like you said, you know, finding shoes or handbags or gardening or travel or things of general interest. And we read through all of them to make sure that there isn't, you know, the hidden agenda in them or even ads. There's several sites that we, we just can't even post because we can't trust, you know, the ads might not be bad today, but tomorrow they could be a disaster. Um, so we're, we're trying to weed through those things so that, you know, women aren't opening things that are going to end up scandalizing them. But I think it's important because even, you know, I was at a, an event a couple of weeks ago and it was so funny. There was a bunch of women, we were sitting at a table and I was paying attention to the conversation because we went from talking about very serious topics to someone jumping in and saying, oh, I just found this great thing to get stains out of white couches. And then, you know, we moved on to something else and, it, you know, we have this way of just jumping from topic to topic. And that's how we engage each other. And that's what a magazine does is sort of jumps from all of those topics. and. You know, it's funny when I got married, um, I, I did that with my husband and he would get lost. Like I would, I found myself having to say, I'm stop, I'm changing subjects now <laughs> you know, because it, he just thought, what does, you know, talking about waffles have to do with what you just mentioned? You know, oh, it has nothing to do with each other. I, I'm moving on, changing subjects. So, um, but women, you don't have to do that. We just have this kind of natural flow from one idea that could be very abstract to something very concrete and then back to the abstract um, very quickly. And that's, I think, what magazines do. So there is something sort of universally appealing about them. And um, it's even interesting if you look at what's happened to the publishing world because almost nothing is in paperback anymore. You know, there's nothing printed anymore except women's magazines. We, women are, you know, famous for our impulse grab at the, the checkout stand. That's why they're there. Airports. I spend a lot of time in airports, and I'm just amazed at how many magazines there are at airports. And um, you know, a lot of times I'll be getting on a flight, and I'll have finished a magazine, and I'll just walk up to any woman and say, "Do you want this magazine?" I'm done with it, and she'll be like, "Yes." You know, it feels like an, a great gift. So, <laughs> really nice. Anyway, I I think it's an interesting element that um, we have definitely neglected because, and and this is kind of the stuff that you know, it's not going to happen on a parish level. This is not what our priests should be doing for us. They don't need to be providing us with recipes to help us make Friday night, you know, meatless dinners easier. <laughs> um, this is what we do for each other. And this is what we do when we live in community with each other. But so many of us are separated from real rich communities nowadays um, that we have to find different ways to kind of buttress each other and support each other through all of these things that we're, you know, we're all in the same boat so that's what's been fun about it is to really see people's reactions to it. And um, I've had people say, you know, I had no idea I needed this until I got used to it. And, um, 
and now I just love it. And um, so it's, it's been a fun, really fun enterprise. Yeah, I'd love to delve into also in terms of enterprises and reactions. Um, you've got this little company now that you and your husband have built and you create beautiful products. So I, wanna, I want you to tell us a little bit about the development of the scent of your candle. That's a really interesting story. And how other products started to just kind of naturally spin off from that. But also how people have reacted to you as an entrepreneur, as stepping out as a Catholic into the marketplace. What is that? How is that meaningful to you? And, and if you wouldn't mind just delving into that aspect of your life for us. Sure. You know, it's been really interesting because, of course, you know, as a Catholic, I, feel, I think sometimes we feel very defensive about our faith and we feel like it's going to get attacked. We're going to get attacked if we put ourselves out there. So we developed these candles and um, there's, we have three scents currently. One of them is called Our Lady of Guadalupe and it's a rose citrus blend that we developed in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one is called Baptism and it's a chrism scent. And um, this was a really funny process because um, we couldn't, I, we weren't finding a way to sort of perfect the scent of it. And um, it was ending, <laughs> it, sounded, it was smelling too aftershavey to me. Um, <laughs> so I finally was like, okay, I'm just going to order the chrism from some monks and just use that. And, um, you know, we, we got the candles made and we're burning them and they smelled amazing. And then the next thing I know, I was like, oh no, there's a tuna scent in this. <laughs> I don't know what's burning in it, but it smells like tuna and we cannot possibly sell this candle. And um, one friend said, well, maybe you should sell it to cat ladies. <laughs> but no, we're not selling it to cat ladies. So we finally, finally got the, the scent perfected and now I just love it. It's, it's um, by far most popular scent that people are buying. Um, and it smells just like, you know, the baby's head the day that they get baptized. Oh, and so you've got the Guadalupe, the chrism scent, yeah. the baptism. And what is the third? And the third one is... Um, called Victory for Our Lady of Victory. Mm. Um, I have such a strong devotion to her. And um, it was originally called Our Lady of the Rosary and then got the title um, Our Lady of Victory, or maybe I have that backwards. But in any event, Our Lady of Victory is hugely important based on the Battle of Lepanto. And, um, you know, we need her now more than ever, I think. Um, but it's an amazing scent that it, it comes back to um, monks on the island of Capri who made these perfumes that were, you know, gardenia and lemon and lily. And it's just this incredibly well-balanced and beautiful scent. Um, and that's my, that one is my secret, well, not so secret now, but my favorite one because it's just, <laughs> it's very gentle and not overpowering, but uh, it's just really different than most things. And it's, you know, I say lemon, it's just this very gentle lemon. It's not like, um, um, you know, those lemony candles that you would put just in your kitchen. And I can really see lighting this candle for prayer time or lighting this candle in your living room just so it, when people come in, they feel that, that sense of almost benediction when they walk in. Beautiful. And that's what we encourage people to do is have them blessed because, of course, if you keep them, it's whomever's home it's in, it's going to exercise demons too when a blessed candle has the capacity to do that. So that's a fascinating piece of it. But we wanted to, we have this beautiful design of um, a star uh, for Our Lady Star of the Sea. And um, just we wanted to make sure that the, the, you could see the light through that star. And um, we use it every night during our rosary. And, and, and also tell us, you know, let's say it more than once so people can get it down, but what's the, where do they order? Where can they well, go? Well, the best place is um, to just go to theologyofhome.com. Okay, great. Um, everything is going to be under that masthead eventually. 
<laughs> so that's the, the great place to get. But um, yeah, so it was just one of those things that, you know, I really wanted these kinds of candles for our home for the sake of prayer. And, um, you know, we've given them away, of course, to friends. And um, we have this dear friend, he's 90 years old, and he um, he's over 90, actually, and he lives by himself. And he lights this candle every night when he says evening prayer. And um, one night he burned through the first one. And, you know, they're, they're old-fashioned glasses. So he said, um, he sent me a text saying, I'm, I'm drinking bourbon out of the old gla- the, the glass from the first candle. <laughs> and I've got the second candle lit and I'm saying night prayer. And, uh, you know, I think for someone like that, we forget how much life is brought in, in prayer and, and, you know, just in our sensibilities when there's a candle lit, that it feels like there's another presence there very, and there is of course, but it just seemed to offer another way through the senses that we know God is present. And I know in his life, that's been a real blessing for him, um, you know, as a man that lives, lives on his own. Yeah. So just touch on just a, quickly a few of your other products, but also I'd really like to hear how people are reacting to you as a Catholic entering the marketplace. Well, and that was the interesting thing with these candles is that, you know, I had this dear friend that she has a shop in our town and I had been telling her about that I was working on these candles for well over a year. And I finally brought one in to show her and she just couldn't believe it. She, um, she on the spot bought 36 of them. Um, to sell at her store. And um, she just has people come in and tell them how much they love them because they can smell them. She burns them in the store when they're shopping. So that, and she's not Catholic. So that's been fun. But even there's a, we have a a local, it's a pottery barn. It's called a warehouse. It's sort of like everything from pottery barn on a garage sale scale. Right. And they even asked me to do a pop-up store in there, in the, Pottery Barn, which, you know, was just shocking. I guess they're just looking to work with local businesses. And um, I haven't had a chance to do it. I haven't had enough inventory at a time that would work with their promotions. But, you know, the fact that people are interested in that has has been fascinating. Well, they're very classy. They're very beautiful. They really fit that Pottery Barn. It could fit a lot of different aesthetics because they're so simple and elegant. You could really work them into a lot of different styles. Yeah, and that was our goal was... We want them to be able to compete with, you know, anything that's already out there in terms of their beauty. Um, so that's, you know, gratefully, the Holy Spirit has given us the means through which to do that. So it's going to be really interesting. We have them featured in the book, Theology of Home. Theology of Home is basically some beautiful meditations about our homes and how they're meant to be a foreshadowing of heaven. And these sanctuaries and places where we feel safe and loved and where we can become truly who we are. But we, we were able to hire a photographer. We have over 200 pictures in the book. So we included the candles in, in the book. Anyway, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what the reception of, of the whole line is, really. Um, and we've since added, we're adding on this fall, some really cute handbags. You know, I just figure out what is it that I would love to have in my home as a Catholic woman. <laughs> So I just, and we are building a product line around that. Um, so we have a jute bag, like cute little leather handles um, with our logo on it that says Theology of Home. And we're, we're working now with a local vendor to make us some cutting boards, this gorgeous white maple with our star on it. And, um, you know, these kinds of things that we could give someone as a wedding gift or a housewarming gift. 
we're really focusing on on that. And don't you have sort of packages, groupings that people can buy as wedding gifts? Like, or- yeah, I mean that will be the the case. Is exactly you could purchase them together, and then we'll them beautifully so that could be a good a great wedding gift so it is selling something in the marketplace a form of evangelization i know billy graham once prophesied and a lot of evangelicals in the marketplace take this very seriously that the next mission field is the marketplace yeah no i think absolutely and that's been um the fun thing about our products is i don't i don't think they feel like you're being evangelized through them but it's very subtle and it's very you know we live in a very post-logical age. Um, so we have to get people on the emotional level. And that's what a candle does. If it, you know, one woman said she smelled my candle and it took her back to, you know, being six years old in her church again. And, the, you know, those emotions are, are strong. And if we can start associating Catholicism with beautiful things again, I mean, this is why people love Europe, because they did things beautifully there, had, you know, fine craftsmanship. And again, we can see the influence of Our Lady there where, you know, beauty just oozes out of Catholicism when we're, we're living, living it right. So, you know, there's nothing about these products that I think you would look at and say, wow, that's Catholic evangelization. <laughs> but there is when you feel like, you know, your whole life is sort of starting to encompass the faith and it's not this separate thing where you just do it on Sunday or or, or have your home life and then your spiritual life is just in books. But, um, you know, where they're kind of symphonic and all of these pieces flow together. So you have gorgeous pieces in your home that reflect your faith. Absolutely. And beauty speaks to the heart in a way nothing else can as far as transcendence. So many people, there are many stories of people walking into a Catholic church and suddenly being converted. And, and my personal take on that is beauty opened their hearts. And then the source of that beauty, Jesus Christ, was able to enter in. Amen. And I think that's exactly what happens too with just thinking about these products in the sense of just giving people a way to experience, you know, this, this whole love of our homes. You know, it's really a fad right now, but it's not just a superficial fad. I think it really is, it is touching on something that people are longing for. And so if we can go deeper and take people deeper, you know, rather than just here's change out your throw pillows, <laughs> if we can give them a deeper way to sort of understand those yearnings of their heart that are, are, are filled by obviously God, but we're trying to fill them with just the home itself instead of what the home points to. Mm. I think that's the next la- the layer that we need to get to. And then people are yearning to get to is mm-hmm. how do we m- truly make our homes this reflection of God instead of just a superficial, you know, museum kind of experience that mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot too. So. Yeah, I think people listening, maybe some of you, I know sometimes when I'm listening to people in interviews, I imagine that they have it all together every day. But your children get to see you in real time problem solving, creating, working out products. Your, the, your husband and you with your different gifts, you said he's the researcher. There, you have these complementary gifts coming into play here. The, the flavor of love that's being poured into the venture rather than just, this is all about making money. Making money for the family, beautiful thing to do, very blessed by God, we have to do that. But, but in this other sense, your children must be picking up on so many beautiful lessons here. What are you noticing about the impact of entrepreneurism in your home? You know, that's a great question. My, my father was an entrepreneur. He had a wholesaling company that I remember the day very clearly when he and my mom told me that he was quitting his job as a, a buyer for a, a major company in, in the Northwest and was going independent and starting this business. 
we ended up working in it, you know, every summer for, I think, probably breaking so many labor laws. Because I can remember working at, you know, 10 years old, sitting in the warehouse, pricing rubber bands and had to go out. But it was a great experience in so many different levels because I saw, first of all, how hard he worked and, you know, the money doesn't grow on trees. And that just that what it took to, to build a company. I mean, he moved from three different buildings, I think, by the time his death, when he'd passed away, he'd gone into three different buildings. So I saw the company grow and expand under his care. And then, and it also made me a great employee. Like at 16, I ended up having, you know, I had a pretty good high school job and it just kept going from there because he had sort of instilled that work ethic in me. So I'm, I'm loving passing this on to my own children because I have to say my, my homeschooling experience was really transformed by that great book, um, Homeschooling from Rest. You know, I think it, um, Sarah McKenzie, I think is author of that, but the, her idea is basically, you know, you've got these three or four things that you have to do every day and then you just live your life in the way that you would live it. And so that for us obviously includes museums and, you know, we're in the DC area, so we get to a lot of those and there's so much history around us all the time. But it also means, you know, we are going to the post office again, or mom's packing up boxes and can you guys put the tape on these? And being involved in in that whole process, I think, is just an amazing gift for them to see how this happens. And, you know, they're still young enough that they're not helping out that much. But I know that they see it and they know that they see my husband and I working together. And like you said, we're problem solving and dreaming and, and scheming and making sacrifices in some areas so that things can happen in other areas. And I think those are just invaluable lessons for children to have because so much of our work takes place out of the home and they don't actually see what we do. So this is all very hands-on for them. You know, they kind of groan on those days when we have to make the candles because they know that we're not going to go do fun stuff that day. Yeah. I'm really struck too, Carrie, by by the fact that it's so much of, of what children are exposed to these days is virtual. And your children are having a very hands-on experience of making things happen. Really incredible experience to have young, making something happen. Right. No, and I think, I, think, I mean, it's an amazing experience to have as a, as a grown-up, too. I've been amazed at it. You know, it's so exciting. I, we just got 200 of these bags that were delivered a couple of weeks ago. And, I, you know, just the joy of unfurling them and pulling one out so I can start using it. And you know, seeing that idea was just a, a crazy idea for well over a year is now, you know, in my living room. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely fun. And we're all learning a lot. But I think even to so I know I'm learning so much about trust and, you know, where the Lord is calling. And despite the fact, I mean, so often, it's can be frustrating, because you're like, we are taking so much risk here. <laughs> Nothing, you know, this could just all go to nothing, you know, maybe nobody would be interested. <laughs> and I, I think that's where the, the trust in what, our, what the Lord is calling us to and just moving forward in that, um, really with that expectation of, you know, we praise you in fruitfulness, we praise you in barrenness, um, and, and really learning that they go hand in hand sometimes. And um, we just have to continue that offering of praise no matter what situation that we find ourselves in. Um, but, but continue to be led. And so anyway, it's, it's been a great adventure. I mean, what, like I said, what started out is this little tiny, two little tiny ideas, you know, the candles and this little website have now become something far bigger than I ever dreamed possible. But it's, it's 
Yeah, I feel like God attracts us with a little idea or an image, and we have no idea the adventure he's inviting us on, but those small yeses add up, and now you're seeing all this interconnection with your gifts and your particular family that are creating this kind of web of beauty with the website and the books, and especially Theology of Home coming out now, and your business starting to get a foothold and starting to influence people and bring beauty into other people's lives. It's just extraordinary what, what God does with our small yeses over time. Right. And I think that those those yeses are, you know, it's always so remarkable too, where you feel like the doors are closing and then you're like, God, you need to either open the door or let's just close this entirely. And sure enough, you know, just when you let when the last moment, <laughs> then the door opens and it's, you know, it's just this incredible vista that you didn't expect. So yeah, it's it's fascinating and, and really fun. And I, we're excited too about trying to reach out beyond just Catholicism, but to reach out to different um, design blogs and, and influencers, because I think we do really have a, a beautiful product and I think people are hungry for something deeper in their lives. So it's, it's going to be fun to see where the Holy Spirit takes us. Mm, I look forward to catching up with you down the line, Carrie, with the stories that will undoubtedly come back to you about how beautiful things have been used to evangelize and bless families and homes and businesses uh, <laughs> around the world. God is so good and generous. He is, indeed. Any last thought, Carrie? You know, no, I, I, I think this is, um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just exciting to see the way that God calls us and the way that He uses our gifts and the way that He uses things that we think aren't our gifts. Um, You know, if someone would have told me that I would have written a design book and I now have um, a candle company, even two years ago, I would have said you are crazy. Um, (laughs) But uh, you know, it is, it's amazing and it's, it's very exciting. And I think that even just thinking about the way that women approach the world, it's, it's different than the way men do. And we need to continually find new ways to, to help feed that feed that interest and feed that way that women uniquely absorb information. And so that's, I think that as even in our daily lives, we need to sort of go on offense a little bit more, not be offensive. <laughs> I mean, in terms of just being on offense and showing the beauty that our, our lives are instead of feeling that we have to sort of hide our faith um, because we might be attacked. I feel like that's a, a hard thing. And I know it's been hard for me to cross over into that, but I think that's the exciting thing is there, there's so many pieces to our faith that people really love if we gave them an opportunity to, to see it more fully. And, and, and using beauty as a gateway. Thank you uh, so much, Dr. Carrie Gress. Everybody, check out theologyofhome.com. Just a beautiful website for Catholic women on so many levels. And you can check out uh, Carrie's gorgeous products as well. Um, we really enjoyed talking with Carrie. And I hope that you'll take to heart that whether you're doing a part-time job or multi-level marketing in your home or whatever it is that is teaching your children valuable lessons, uh, the ways that you bring beauty into your life and the lives of others, how that naturally evangelizes. We can trust those small yeses to build to the, to the bigger picture that God has in mind for us and for our families. Uh, and please stay tuned. We have a short feature for you before we sign off for the day. And again, this has been Dr. Carrie Gress, and I'm Lisa Maladnik. Thanks for being with us. Hi, this is Chantal Howard. Welcome to From Ideal to Real. I've made it my goal to help pious aspirations come to life more easily in everyday living. 
Today, we're going to discuss how we can enhance our family meal prayers. This is one moment where we all gather and typically pray together, but we often rush through it and overlook the opportunity for what it is. A remarkable chance to form the hearts and souls of our family and develop a rich family culture. I truly believe this is one of the most valuable moments we have in our family prayer life and that we should learn to leverage it more. So today, I'm going to give you a glimpse into my family's meal prayer life. We love to sing. We're going to share with you three simple songs that you could incorporate in your own family's prayer life. It's my hope that you will take these beautiful songs and listen to them over and over again until you can begin to incorporate them into your own family. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we receive from thy bounty. Bless us, O Lord, grant us thy peace through Christ our Lord. Amen. This next song is taken from the Byzantine Rite of the Catholic Church. Dwell with us this evening, gracious Lord. The eyes of all creatures look to you, and you give them their food in due time. You open wide your hands, grant the desires of all who live. Christ our God, real food, you give life to the world. Bless this meal, give us brotherly love. Dwell with us this evening, gracious Lord. And here's one more meal prayer song that is absolutely our favorite. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts which we are about to receive from thy bounty through Christ our Lord above. Glory to God, praise his holy name. Alleluia. Amen. While it might seem intimidating to begin singing as a family at meal times, I encourage you to give it a try. And if nothing else, take advantage of this special time together and see what creative ways you can come up with to enhance these special moments. Thanks for joining me on another episode of From Ideal to Real. You can find me at aromarosary.com and chantal-howard.com, where you can discover more resources for enhancing your family's life, your health, your happiness, and your prayer together. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints. And leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us.